worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put the rest your fears There's no need to panic if you let us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd It's Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, the podcast where we talk about all things nerd, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, because just as the title of the show says, it's all in canon. We're hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Phil. Hello, everyone out there. And Tyler. Yo. Yo. Yo, indeed. Yo, indeed. Uh, this week, uh, you know, it's another another one of those weeks. Have a couple news stories that we want to get to. We're going to talk a little bit about the week that was in Geek, and then we're going to jump to some TV discussion as we talk about the latest episodes of Peacemaker and the book of Boba Fett. Um, can we, is, is it still even about Boba Fett, Phil? Like, like what's going on? I, you know, I, I gave my... My plausible defense last week about it being an interlude. And I think, you know, we're down to the final episode that will hopefully show that all of this has big meaning. But hey, it's part of the Filoni verse. If this is the way they're going, I'm okay with it. Yeah, exactly. We'll get to that a little later. But before that, guys, it's been a hell of a week. I'm I'm exhausted right now. I am done. I was (laughs) yeah. I'm so tired, and I'm just dealing with like a thousand things right now, even the radio show. So the way that the stations, so the the, the wrestling radio show, it's broadcast in six, I want to say six uh, markets, and we have a central place where we upload it on the uh, CTV um, FTP site. And all the stations, regardless of you know where they come from, that's where they go and get the show. Apparently, our London affiliate just... Who knows? They they played last week's episode again, and then I'm hearing some from some other people. Some that a in Montreal and Winnipeg they weren't airing the show as well. Now, the person that says this lives in a different time zone, so I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Sometimes it is known to happen that the stations uh, servers don't. Uh, update properly so the episode just doesn't get there ever um you know with less and less people working physically in the radio stations it's hard for for people to really notice it's all it's all scripts and magic uh so you know who knows what happened but it's just just dealing with that it's just like fuck what the hell it's just so much more than i wanted to deal with right now yeah responsibility <laughs> Yep. I mean, I was I was trying to figure out a joke to be like, meanwhile, Boris is over here humble bragging of like, anyways, 
on my successful show. Here's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> Hey, say what you want. This show is still my number one show. It is still near and dear to my heart because I get to essentially talk about whatever the fuck I want to and swear while I fucking do it. The, the radio doesn't let you swear. That's that's bullshit. <laughs> it's also worth noting, um, as someone born and raised in Winnipeg, uh, that city's fucking falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen, but like... There was, <laughs> it's currently, like, there was a potential terrorist attack at the legislature in Winnipeg. Jesus. Um, in the form of uh, uh, a driver who just hit right into a bunch of protesters in an SUV. So I did actually see that over the weekend. Yeah. Crazy. What the hell's going on? Everything's everything's going to shit, guys. It's all fucking going to shit. Um, that's why I just love getting lost in our stories. <laughs> yeah, it's got, that kind of Monday. I, I don't know what to say, but I feel completely. I got to briefly hijack us on oh, the food. Sure. On the food discussion for a All moment. right, let's do this. So I have been. So I bought, I bought a pig carcass in the fall. Okay. Like, right. like to get butchered and stuff. And yeah. I have made dumplings from it. I have made so much bacon. But yesterday was the pièce de résistance. Uh-oh. Yesterday was taking the the dry aged Serrano style ham and carving that up and eating it. Oh yeah. Another whole thing because mm. this this is this is like a full pig's leg. Right. And oh. Delicious. I can imagine. But yeah, it, it it was probably 25 pounds of prosciutto. Oh, that's beautiful. Whoa. That is beautiful. <laughs> like, like, Holy cow. So I have I actually have blisters on the inside of my my left hand because that's my knife hand. Yeah. Cuz I was prob I was carving for about an hour yesterday. I was I was going to ask how long were you carving for cuz you know, professionals do this with machines. I had I had my two knives. I mean, I do have like, I have one of the big butcher machetes now. Yeah, that helped. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. But oh, the food we are getting over here now between that and I've got the wine cellars almost done. Oh, it's the oh, food yeah. corner sounds awesome. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm eating like PC branded Serrano ham. <laughs> Fuck it, asshole. <laughs> Tyler branded. <laughs> I. I don't know. Like, have you guys found, like, when I eat prosciutto, I love it. I really do. Mm-hmm. But after a while, after, you know, maybe uh, a few pieces, like, it, like things start going sideways downstairs. I'm like, oh, oh I keep a washroom close. I mean, yeah, it, it has a, it like, Serrano is, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a salt cure, right? And it's got mm-hmm. nitrates and a bunch of stuff in it. And like, I lost part of my ham to nitrate burn, which is when you oh. mess up your ratios and you're like, basically you're using a special kind of salt you rub on the outside and that's how it doesn't rot on you. Right. Um, Makes sense. And, you know, if you mess it up, it like it will burn it. And like you're doing this with gloves because if you mess up your ratios, you can burn yourself pretty bad. And I professionally have like nicks and cuts in my hands. And that's part of why it is, is there's so much salt and so much like preservative in there. But I'm with you. Like we had to freeze most of it because I've had it 
three of the last six meals. And I'm also uh-huh. like, I need, I need to not be ever, I can't leave the house. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. It's not going to get into salt, gory right? details. Just, just yeah. the sheer amount of salt for some people also just gets, oh, gets to their bodies, right? So get bloated and, and all that fun yep. stuff. <laughs> that's Ew. that's what this podcast has turned into. It's if it's not tech stock, it's uh, food chat. Yeah. Lungs <laughs> stays finance, on the food. Finance and food. That's our new podcast. Finance and food brought to you by <laughs> Boris, Phil, and Tyler. <laughs> yep. Oh man. So this, so was that your weekend in a nutshell, Tyler? Just uh, well, your Sunday at least. No, I did. I had one of those weekends where I like, I just kept working, right. and I never stopped working. And then I got up today, and I regretted it. Yeah, I was the exact opposite. Mm. I needed to work. I did shit all. I don't know. Like so basically Friday afternoon, I just said fuck it. I've had a tough week, and I just uh, relaxed. And then yeah, I'm really regretting it today. But whatever. So busy. You need it sometimes, though. I know. Right? Otherwise, you're just gonna you're just gonna burn out. Yeah, I know. Yep. Yep. You got to take the breaks, guys. You got to take the breaks sometimes, or else the breaks take you. Yeah. I mean, I, I spent most of today doing parkour about zombies. So. <laughs> mm, Love it. Dying late too. Yep. Right on. How about you? Heard feel? some mixed stuff about that. How's, oh, how was your you week? know what? It was a nice, quiet weekend, just like you guys. And, and well, just like you, Boris. Um, the funny thing is, is that I've noticed with my, and I know it's coming to an end. But with my Friday night ritual, like I do my gaming on Thursdays. I clean up some stuff on Friday. But by and large, I try to concentrate on some of the shows that we cover here. So I fire up Peacemaker. And. I got to say, like, I know we're going to talk about it, but there's nothing puts me in a better mood. And I have to keep this in my pocket now. Then when you fire up those at that episode and the opening credits come on every time, man, I just instantly get perma smile. Yep. Yep. I'm just like, oh, man, like, like, just like you guys were saying, like, there's times where I'm like, maybe I should rewind it just to watch that intro again, like just to watch the song, like. It just puts me in an instantly happy place. Yeah. And I find that that's fascinating now because it not many other shows do it, you know? Like, when I watch Book of Boba Fett or anything else, really, I'm always like, oh, what's it going to be this week? Am I going to be happy? Am I going to be sad? Am I going to be confused? Am I going to be this, that? Like, there's a lot of different emotions that run through. Mm -hmm. But with Peacemaker, man... James Gunn really nailed this thing down well. Yep. So, you know, I know we'll sing the platitudes of loving it more later on, but gaming and everything for me is like pretty, pretty down low. Yeah. I've I've actually like, I've just been taking it so easy with gaming right now. I think, you know, um, later this month, I'll I'll for sure pick up one of the games coming out, probably uh, Elden Ring or something like that. But, I've honestly been playing the F1 game, just you know, yeah. going through that, just like something where I can pick it up, play for a, like half an hour, and put it down because I got my 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 fix. That's what I mean about racing games. It's fantastic. Actually, 
TV-wise, you know what I started watching? Hmm. Euphoria. Oh, I've heard about <laughs> this. Interesting show. Interesting show, to say the least. Um, the, like it's a it's so weird because like season two seems just so much crazier than season one in terms of like it's less grounded, it's more out there, right? I don't know how to describe it. I have heard thoughts about it. Yeah, as I, have I. My Twitter feed is alive with the platitudes of euphoria. Yeah, I'm sure in it many is. ways, but it it sounds like it's a challenging watch for some people. It's so. um, it depends, right? Like it depends what you. It, it, it reminds me, and I think my friend she said it best. It reminded reminded her, which reminds me when she said it of the movie Thirteen. Hmm. Came out in like '99 or something like mm-hmm. that, 2000. Uh, yeah, it was pretty fucked up movie, right? Makes you want to uh, not allow your kids to do anything. That's for sure. But yeah, it's, it's a weird show. It's a weird show. I'm not sure what I think about it yet. I'm caught up, so like you know, I'm where wherever they are now. <laughs> but it's just like fuck. Yeah, so that was my weekend. Um, watching that show when you're a little drunk alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's be a little what I'm avoiding. Yeah, from what I hear, um, it gets pretty heavy. It gets something. Um, okay, so last week we were talking about you know the various moves um, that both Microsoft and Sony seem to be doing in terms of purchasing studios, and this seems to be the big news around the video game industry: is who is next. And there's three names that keep mm. on coming up. I want to throw them out there, see if you think that it's realistic. Realistically, anything is realistic. Because Sony even said, we're not done yet. We still have a, lot, a few deals on the pipeline. But these are three names of studios of um, you know that people think will be sold shortly. Out of these three, I think one might actually be a great pickup. All right, so let's start with Square Enix. That's the first one that people think is most likely going to be up. Um, Square Enix just makes a multitude of titles, including uh, Final Fantasy. They made the some Marvel games last year or the year before. The second studio is Sega. People think that with Sega's uh, arcade division closing, that's one sign that they are now uh, putting all their eggs in one basket, making the company look as attractive as humanly possible in order to get it ready for a sale and the third company being capcom people think that capcom uh is preparing itself for a possible sale and it has the ip to just make a huge impact in the gaming industry so what do you guys think tyler i'm just double checking their valuations and i didn't realize sega was worth so much more than squeenix was yeah it is it's interesting too because you could probably throw Konami into Konami's that mix for sure. One that I would throw into that ones mix. that I've seen. Yep, and uh, Ubisoft. Ubisoft people are theorizing that it might be, even though it's traditionally never been up for sale. The reason why is number one, they're struggling like hell with this NFT stuff. Number two, the sex scandal, and they just think that maybe some people would be willing to dump and run. At this point, if the right valuation came along, but Ubisoft is one of the highest at over seven billion. 
Whereas I think Square Enix rings in around four to five. Uh, what do you mean brings in like their valuation or their valuation is somewhere between four and five billion. Uh, I think I said thing I'm looking at says up to full up to four point nine five point nine at the high end. Ah, Valuation's a little bit funky right now. They're also the stuff I'm looking at says Capcom is probably currently overvalued. Mm-hmm. Per, right. Apparently, analysts are saying pretty significantly. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I could see. I mean, honestly, I could see any of those. Yeah. I, I, I think Square Enix is something that Sony would want just because they have the successful Final Fantasy. They'd be able to lock that down. And as well, because they want to compete with, you know, the basically what Microsoft are doing. But as well, they have a lot of single player strong points. And the other one being, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Capcom would be a good one for them, too, with Monster Hunter that type of thing like those games are really big on the playstation when they hit it's also worth noting that square enix has a pretty successful publishing arm of like non-video game media which Mm -hmm. also synergizes super well with sony's already holdings right like if all of a sudden you're like oh yeah we also get full metal alchemist and we also get like you said final fantasy um Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Well, Stuff Kingdom like Hearts that. you wouldn't get entirely because Kingdom Hearts is already a weird beast. Yeah. Type. But, um, you know, like, it, it's just it's just interesting, right? Like, that's why I throw Konami in there because it's like, oh, he'd lock down Metal Gear Solid. and You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's just some titles that just really feel like Sony all the time, right? And I'm like, it's all the valuations because Bandai Namco another it's, one but that one's crazy higher yeah because it's also worth noting that uh square enix and ubisoft still appear to have a strategic alliance which is like some document corporate document agreement they have between them that like who knows what's in that mm-hmm. and that could be a wrinkle yeah um maybe that's what's taking time i mean i think that's everything yeah, I mean, if we're gonna talk Ubisoft, I think, I mean, I think, I think Ubisoft is one of the more interesting ones, um, given like the stuff you all you identified, Phil, of like, you know, a bunch of problems. Yeah, it's very much like a Activision Blizzard, right? It's like right now the value seemingly would be falling just due to the controversies and the the settlements and all that kind of stuff, and and. You you generally want to have a corporate cleanup, and sometimes it's harder to you know a, a buyout gives you that because you know they came forward and they said they want to get away from doing the types of games that have really made them pretty successful. I think at least for my gaming dollar, and that is the Assassin's Creed uh, kind of games and you know the single player content based games that have other components too and they want to get away from that and go to the free to play model or go to the more uh, seasonal model you know games as a service and i just think that their latest forays with ghost recon and stuff like that have just been absolute failures and they're not really 
gaining any traction with gamers as much as maybe you'd like to see if you were in Ubisoft's position. The other so, side, uh, tied to that, we have to remember that it was only 2018. Ubisoft was saying that like we're going to be putting out five or six triple A's a year. Mm-hmm. And they already couldn't do that by 20, 2020. Yeah, they already kiboshed all that, right? Right, like, so, but but you've put money into that, right? Like, it's not like they're in a great position. They're also, like, they have been hemorrhaging employees. Yes. And the else, like, the, their NFT thing is actually getting worse and weirder because... I don't know how much we want to get into the NFT weirdo, but like they're they are gifting NFTs to people, which you know sounds like whatever. Um, but the issue is that because of the nature of crypto, uh, so like 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 in real life, if I were to see Phil and be like, "Hey, Phil, here's twenty bucks," you'd be able to look at my hand to see the twenty dollar bill, mm-hmm. and you would decide whether to take twenty bucks from me or not. In crypto, I say. Hey Phil, I've already put twenty dollars in your wallet, and the only way for you to find out if it's twenty dollars or anthrax is to open your wallet. <laughs> and NFTs have that problem, and mm-hmm. we we already have a bunch of scams of people talking about how great they are. But it's like if you know someone's wallet address, you can just put stuff in there, and. All NFTs are is pieces of code. So it could be a virus. So like just the security implications behind this are bananas. Dude, and then, you know, we haven't done a deep dive. At least I haven't. But every weekend it seems like some uh, crypto uh, uh, robbery is happening. Like we're looking at two to three hundred million every weekend that's being stolen by one um, by one hacker almost every week at this point mm-hmm. uh, usually not a hacker for what it's worth yes you know I, yeah i yeah no I, I this is for the audience of like i've i have now done so i've written a bunch of crypto in the past and have done like a recent deep dive to update my stuff and it's it's never buy anything don't touch anything in that environment mm-hmm. yeah not that we're giving advice but hey you do you <laughs> but it's you're opening yourself up all right, cool. so going back you know, to going back to gaming. So there are now reports because of the t- two deals that have already been made, and this includes those two deals between both Microsoft and Sony, uh, buying Blizzard and, and and Bungie and all that all, all that entire fun suite that happened the past couple weeks. We are looking at a year uh, where the gaming market could breach one hundred and fifty billion dollars in deals and fundraising. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, imagine just a few years ago, we're talking about Disney buying 20th Century Fox for like 65 billion and how absolutely massive that catalog is. And then you look at these companies competing, at least for billions of dollars in companies and exceeding the 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 20th Century Fox buyout. Like, it's pretty crazy. To think what that's video games, right? And then you have companies like this week, what is it, Take Two or whatever, the guys who do Rockstar Games announced that, yeah, we've got a GTA 6 in, in yeah. the works. Well, I mean, that's 
in the works means not a goddamn thing. I, I, I know that everything's always in the works, but I'm like, they're, they're coming forward finally and acknowledging it. And there was genuine excitement amongst the fans, but as well, don't get too excited because the PlayStation five and Xbox series X versions of GTA five are going to release soon. <laughs> like They're not done minting money yet off of that old game. Exactly. And wasn't also- it take two that also said like, yeah, you know, the, the in-game purchasing market still isn't just quite ready. It's not good enough just yet. Yeah, we, we have new players that maybe we can show them snazzy graphics yeah. and lift more shark bucks out of them. <laughs> nom, 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 shark bucks. It's also worth noting that um, the new FTC chair, Lina, Lina, I don't know how to pronounce that, Con is uh, a Biden appointee. And this is one of the people that I was talking about back the beginning of the Biden administration of talking about him being more antitrust, him be cracking down on some mm-hmm. of this stuff after like over a decade, arguably up to two or three decades of no one doing it. Mm-hmm. And this could be kiboshed, which I think would be fascinating of them being like, no, you can't buy this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think that it's going to be possibly a, a more prolonged process that's going to be tied up in court litigations and courtroom things. And then Microsoft are ultimately going to have the deeper pocket that they're willing to throw more lawyers at every analyst that I see say, Hey, it could happen. Sure. But it's more likely that Microsoft is just going to have to lawyer up more to get it. And it's pushed worth through. noting. This is nothing to do with lawyers, right? This is the yeah. federal trade commission. This is not court. This is a regulatory body. Right. But still, there's got to be some kind of challenge process or something in there. Yeah, they just they 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 have to go through the the process. But it's like there's no appeal. Right. If the FTC decides you can't do it, you can't do it. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. I mean. Again, that's why it's why it's what killed Netscape back in the day. Was Mm -hmm. like last big thing to get hit was microsoft yep that's exactly what yeah. happened uh yeah so so we'll see exactly what happens like you know we'll see exactly what happens because there's no guarantee that the deals that have been announced are actually going to go through um you know so i'm keep we're keeping an eye on that just because there's you know the video game industry right now i think is in line for a major shift uh, you know, whether it be physical versus digital, whether it be subscriptions or whether it just be more exclusives, you know, we have yet to see. And I think that, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months, we're really going to start seeing where all of this ends up. Another thing I wanted to follow up on was we were talking about streaming services. And even though, you know, when we talk about streaming services, we always kind of leave this one out because it's always tied a little different because of its other uh perks i guess and that's amazon prime right it was announced last week that mm-hmm. amazon prime is actually getting a 20 dollar price hike um effective march 25th so mm-hmm. you know it's you know we're, we're i know again this is tied to more than just streaming but the fact that the streaming prices keep going up and up and up and up people are just going to be going you know back to torrents back to the gray web back to plex back to whatever yeah, it's it's getting to be a lot of money. And again, 
Amazon's a complex one because I, like many other people, my personal usage of it is to enjoy a lot of different parts of the platform, not just the video. Um, the video to me ranks fairly low on my Richter scale of, of streaming services, but it, it, it has its moments. But as well, I'm going to throw it out there as part of the news. Stadia kind of announced this week that they're defocusing some of their gaming streaming content and they're refocusing 80% of their business on whitelisting streaming stuff with their servers. So, but they also tried to mitigate that damage by saying, oh, we also have 100 games coming out this year. Right. So, and, when you, say you know, things like so, that. So, they're so trying so. to do damage control and reassure any fan bases that are out there with, you know, the population that does pay attention to it. But it's interesting because there's a lot of fear that I see within that group again about the future of that platform. And Amazon are in that too, right? Like they've got Luna yep, and whatnot, like talking about companies with many tendrils all over things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so going back, taking a step back, when you talk about whitelisting services for our listeners who don't know exactly what that means, can you explain that? Oh, sure. It would be like Amazon, like just a hypothetical, but it would be like Google offering server space to Amazon, for example, if Amazon didn't have their own streaming backbone or whatnot, and they wanted to get into it, they'd contact Google and say, we want to borrow some server space to stream a game or a movie or whatever. And that would be the infrastructure that they use. So it's yep. kind of like business deals where, you know, even I think Activision are kind of using it in the sense that they have a Batman Arkham Asylum or whatever video game streaming for Activision, well, sorry, all stream users or something like that, something within the HBO world, and they're using Google Stadia to stream that game, but only for their customers. You can't get that game on Google Stadia, but the Stadia servers are being used for yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I always find that interesting, especially when you think about like Netflix and MLB and all those streaming services, because I know they, they all go through AWS, Amazon Web Services. Yeah, a lot does. Like, I don't know if anybody's aware of it, but last December, there was a couple days where if you tried to use Skip the Dishes or any of the Uber Eats or anything, nothing was working for a night. And then the next day, there was an outage. And it was funny because I went up to my local restaurant and I'm like, I was just going to order this in. But hey, you're just up the street. I'm just going to come in and buy it. And the guy said, yeah, AWS is down again. He's just like, I'm getting no orders. Like, I'm I'm out of luck on, on that front. No digital orders are coming in because the backbone's out. Yep. So there's a lot of services that use that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Tons. Tons of companies go through those services, Yeah, whether it be uh, Azure with Microsoft, Amazon. Amazon's the biggest player probably, but Google and Microsoft are putting tons of resources in that right now. They're really pushing... Um, and, and making huge deals with companies to move their services off of AWS because AWS like ultimately costs a shit ton. And I'm talking from experience. This is what my company does. Our hosted, uh, dedicated, uh, our, our, our software as a service is on AWS and like we're constantly being approached. Uh, mm. But, you know, but that involves a lot just because what are we going to do with our 
current customers because our current customers ran all their FTC tests and their um, you know FDA tests through our mm-hmm. you know through the current infrastructure. So you know, just the stuff that uh, that happens yeah, in the data back. Data delivery right? and and sanctity of data, yep. very important. Exactly. And if you make a change, you got to make sure that your compliance code is up to speed. Otherwise, you're toast. That's Ooh. why SOC 2, SOC 3 is so important right now. Like those, and, and just making sure that, you know, data compliance and data security is up to date. And it just, it's more for the process, like ISO 9000 for, for software and whatnot, right? And, uh, you know, it's just making sure that the, your T's are, are crossed and your I's are dotted at the end of the day. Yeah, I keep on crossing my eyes. <laughs> I mean, fore- foreshadowing towards our Facebook story later. It's also, a lot of countries are changing the regulatory rules around stuff like that, which is the other side of it that's going to start getting complicated and weird when you have Europe especially changing the rules on how you may, how you do a lot of that in Europe and what you are and aren't allowed to do. Yep, exactly. And and it's funny because like these tech companies really don't talk about this much. You know, they when they present um, and they, 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 they when they present their tech and their R&D, they always, you know, use the marketing names for the stuff. But when you do a little digging, you actually see what they're actually trying to do. And some of these companies are just like, yeah, there's a lot of movement right now. The tech industry right now and the cloud industry right now, it's just, it's so interesting. And there's so many rules being put across the industry that a lot of companies are kind of like, what the fuck do we do now, right? Like, and then you have a company like Facebook slash Meta who are really putting all of their eggs in a couple baskets. And while we're seeing that short term, it's just not working out for them, right? Yeah, like these gambles, just to Tyler's point and yours too, Boris, is uh, I, even in my uh, current employer, we're having all kinds of challenges because we're anticipating laws to change. So what stands today that we could probably get away with or, you know, do and leverage savings out of might not be a viable option come two or three years when legislation actually catches up to it. So they're like, my industry is always trying to talk to the government to find out what's coming down the pipe. Yep. Yep. Right. Like, yes. Where is data allowed to reside and nationally who owns that data? And you know what I mean? Like, our customer database has to be somewhere. Can it be in the states, or can it? Does it have to be here? That type of thing. There's all kinds of sovereignty issues. And as the world is constantly being divided into us versus them, and you know the us versus them of this year seems to be the USA and Russia. Uh, you know the USA and Ukraine versus Russia, right? Like. Mm-hmm. There could be rules stemming from that altercation, not altercation, but that from that issue itself, right? Like, we just don't know exactly what's to come tomorrow. But a lot of analysts in the market right now are looking at interest rates. That's the short-term indicator of where their money is going. And by looking at, you know, interest rates, and right now they seem to be stable for now, the next rate hike they're going to probably be going up so investors are actually starting to move their money across the market so that's why we're seeing the move money away from tech because it's expensive into more favorable companies that are really going to benefit from this new shift in higher interest rates yeah and i guess we should let the cat out of the bag that we're talking about facebook 
in a lot of ways. Right yeah, now. Facebook is kind of After what triggered this, right? Thing. Like last yeah. week, Facebook took, uh, you know, they 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 got shat on. They took an ass kicking. Um, you know, the overall, the Fed over the last two years helped um, insulate the U.S. economy, but now they're, you know, we're kind of seeing this stop uh, where we've seen near zero uh, 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 borrowing. Uh, percentage wise and and it's just that's going to end soon so really silicon valley is going to be hit very freaking hard and then as you know last month in the united states we had 467,000 new jobs so the fed is very much preparing now to hike those rates um you know then we're seeing stuff that we haven't seen in like 30 40 years at this point you know so between that and between the normalization uh, uh, of the stock, we're seeing a lot of the stock, especially tech-wise, you know, come from record pandemic highs to holy shit, they've uh, lost a shit ton in January, February, and most likely March. Like we're looking at just some absolute insane numbers that. Uh, uh, Facebook especially is losing. So f- Facebook actually took yep. the biggest ass kick, kicking on Thursday with its stock falling 26%, erasing more than $230 billion in value, adjusted for inflation that's equal to the entire stock market's loss on Black Tuesday in October 1929. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I... I... You know, this I especially have to be careful to be like, look, none of us are financial advisors. This is us looking at the market based on our experience. But from where I'm sitting, there's a lot of really overvalued things like your Facebook, um, like your Tesla. And I'm not saying these are these are actually worthless companies. I'm not saying these are actually garbage. I'm saying this reminds me a lot of 2008. This reminds me a lot of 1999 of this stuff being propped up by exuberance in part driven by how much this is just de like decoupled from what's going on and people are like this was the big news is more people left facebook than joined it yep yeah right that's that was the big inciting incident for all this and i think a lot of people are just not doing great no um all right let's take a look at this so paypal its shares fell 24% mid last week. It's biggest one day fall. Um, Spotify, we know that they're having their own issues. Uh, they're uh, right now, as of mid last week, their shares fell 17%. Netflix shares have fallen over 30% in the last month after missing the uh, customer forecasts. So we're seeing like just a big change right now. And as the attitudes of Americans working from home and spending money at home and getting entertained at home, they're looking now elsewhere, which is outside of the tech industry. So the PayPal's, the Zooms, um, you know, uh, the, the, the Netflix's. And those companies are really going to start getting shat on. And now if we take a look at some of Facebook's issues right now, they're just all over the map. You know, they have this plan for the meta. They have short-term goals for Facebook and Instagram, but they're actually bleeding users to TikTok right now. That's ultimately what's hurting their, um, you know, their 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 uh, their numbers in terms of subscribers and net subscribers, which is actually negative right now. Yep. I, I just 
can't help but think this, all right? Made such a big gamble on Meta. What if they're wrong? What? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I go back to what I originally said. Of, I think part of the Meta thing was just to get Zuckerberg out of the day-to-day of Facebook itself. Yeah. Yeah, and that was around the time that they were having to go to Capitol Hill and do a lot of disclosure and whatnot. And then I felt like that news cycle was kind of like, hey, look, we're not Facebook anymore. We're called Meta because the metaverse is the way to go and we're going to run it for you and you're not going to have these problems. Like, I I just felt like that's the way they tried to pitch it. Yep, a little bit. And I think a little bit is, you know, I I think that broadly speaking, when you're obscenely wealthy, you pretty quickly lose touch with what the average person is doing. Yeah. Right? Of like, we're nowhere close to VR being ready for something like Meta. Yeah, exactly. As, as, like, I, I could see Meta being something that held more traction for me probably in the early stages of the pandemic when we're all sitting at home and we're all thinking about pie-in-the-sky idealist ways of wouldn't it be great if the Metaverse did exist? Wouldn't it be great if I could plug in this headset sure. and do this? You know, the logistics or the re- reality of it might be completely opposite of that, right? And still are. But there would have been, like, I could see this investor surge at that point. And there was an investor surge because everybody just went on to Facebook, right? (laughs) They just went, like, okay. And Facebook, like, I think this report of them getting, like, not as many users as expected is the first time that that numbers turned that direction in the history of the company. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know. Even taking a look at Qualcomm, Qualcomm makes semiconductors and they make, you know, the, the chips that run on a lot of every electronic, which seem yep. to be non-existent anymore. They uh, posted a 30. What is this? Uh, they had huge earnings. Oh, yeah. Revenue increased 30 percent year over year to 10.7 billion, which has demolished the 270 million dollar estimates that they the, they were giving analysts and their stock is down as of right now recording 2.4 percent yeah yeah well i just think the market is you know as tyler was saying just basically calling it out a little more and like you're saying for us moving the money elsewhere which means it's got to come out of something Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. If you're overvaluing, you know, not that I'm saying that, but if you're overvaluing Tesla, because goodness knows they're not worth more than Toyota, but somehow they are stock wise. I just like, you know, if you start deflating that and moving it somewhere else because you're getting tired of what Elon's doing or you just need to move your money into mm-hmm. a more brick and mortar type thing, into a more reliable service. I mean, or you just want to cash out. You just want your money you got to sell, right? Yeah, it's like, at its yeah. highest right now. Let me fucking cash out. Let me make some money, right? Like, yeah, we're man. Seeing a lot it's of that taking happen. a couple hits. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of that Yeah, you got to right dump now. the stonks, man. The day trading holiday might be over for a few people. Yep. For sure. 
or 100 percent um yeah yeah facebook right now is in such a weird place um you know and bitcoin we're just seeing bitcoin jump freaking literally all over the place right now it's what up three percent a couple days ago is that it's like a very very low low just this is just such a volatile thing right now i just thought it was so funny too just on a on a sequidor about that is uh, Canada played El Salvador last week, mm-hmm. and uh, they have the Bitcoin, right? Right, yep. Boris? Yep. They have Bitcoin as their national uh, well, uh, currency. An accepted currency. Yeah, and, and the players were, like, refusing to play before the game because they were having payment issues in getting yeah. money. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, man, this has got to be crazy to think about, like, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> well, I mean, like literally, when the IMF is like, "This is gonna, this is gonna destroy your country," mm-hmm. right? Like, you have a bunch of people who are doing naked trading in in Bitcoin, and like, part of the issue is that your your transaction costs are also going insane. So it's it's gas and ether. I can't remember what it's called in Bitcoin, but like. It's the cost of literally, like, you have to pay to make these transactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And, like, what, what, what like, we, we're used to, you know, you have, you have to spend a little bit of transaction fee. And usually, if you're on Visa, it's eaten by the retailer. Right? That's just the deal we've all made. And it's whatever percentage. But your Bitcoin transaction fees... Are between a buck seventy eight is the cheapest it's ever been. Yep, and sixty two dollars. Oh, that's an insanely wide spread. Yep. Yeah, it's not e- regulated. Even making it- a small transaction, it the the speed of which your transaction is to be made depends on how much you're paying in fees. Think about that. Yeah, and that's always the way it's been. No, right? I know, but like a lot of people don't know this about like the the whole uh, cryptocurrency, right? Like it's just insane. <laughs> the buck seventy eight all... might post in a couple days. <laughs> no, he, he, but but Boris is right. Like that's not even that's not even accompanying like gas fees, which is what it's it's the you know because not because cryptocurrencies don't have to have it that they get right now. A lot of cryptocurrencies are and their markets are you get what order you get in your transaction posting is based in part of an auction, which is insane. Like Boris, that's what Boris was saying is, is yeah, you auction off who, what's the order. And those also are all over the place in prices. Yep. It's just crazy right now. It's crazy right now, you know, because we were seeing record lows of Bitcoin, you know, mid to end of January. I think January 22nd, it was at its lowest point in years. Uh, President Bukalele from El Salvador just dumps another 15 million in Bitcoin. IMF says, hey, you might want to be a little tranquilo with it. El Salvador says, fuck you. And then what happens? Well, KPMG in Canada is investing in the sh- in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Yeah, <sighs> I saw that. Which is interesting. <clears throat> so it's worth noting that 
I mean, we're, we, you guys are in tech. You know the phenomenon of what's the new buzzword that I can throw on my company yep. Yep. To, 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 to polish the old stock price a little bit. And it's all over the place, right? So, so KPMG has actually, like, they have them as an asset class. It's not like they're buying, like, the Winklevoss twins are very clever because most of their value in cryptocurrency is because they own markets where yep. they're making American dollars off exactly. of it. But, yeah, KPMG is using Gemini Trust. Gotta buy it. Yep. That's stupid. <sighs> yeah, that's a, I, I don't know. It's just so rate, crazy rates now, right now. But you know, with going back to, to to kind of Facebook and the tech stocks, where do you guys kind of think everything's gonna go right now? Like we're we're you know we're seeing this shift right now, and, and and with as the world is trying to quote unquote live with COVID, whatever the fuck that means. I don't know if I if I'm a guessing guy. I got to say, like right now, anarchy reigns. What I enjoy seeing is the headline that Mark Zuckerberg lost more money. <laughs> yeah, <Exactly. laughs> that that's just me personally. I I'm not diversified in anything into it, and I don't want to see people get hurt. That's not something that I enjoy, unless their name is Mark Zuckerberg. But you know what I mean? Like I'm just like if it's overvalued, it's overvalued when the market corrects. Like, make sure that you're not exposed. Like, make sure that you're involved in, in your money management if you're in line for that. Like, and I know some things you can't predict, but goodness knows there's enough chatter on the news day in, day, day in and day out about this kind of stuff. Like, heck, it's even in podcasts. Yeah, yeah exactly. 100%. It, you know... People have been speculating all over the place on whether we're, the market's too hot or not right now. And I think that even if you don't think it's too hot, if you think that, you know, it's just weird, but it's not overheated, you think it's now is a good time for fundamentals, I think. Like, I've moved from heavy tech to widely diversified. I think a correction's coming. Mm -hmm. I just don't know when. And if I could, if I, I mean, if I was the person who'd be like, oh, yeah, no, corrections in three weeks, I'd be able to short stuff and make a ton of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 we'll see. We'll we'll keep following this. You know, they do get uh, some comments sometimes that you know they do enjoy these conversations. But and uh, you know we'll stay on top of it. Speaking of yeah. course corrections, and before we go to our TV shows, did you guys see this news story <laughs> of NASA wanting to crash the International Space Station right in the middle of the Pacific? I saw it. I didn't look into it to fact check it or anything. I miss this one. Oh, this sounds like fun. It's like Moonfall, but with by 2031 was what they were reporting, but I don't know if this is. Yeah, they want to deorbit the ISS, uh, place it in the South Pacific Ocean. It's known as Point Nemo. Um, this will happen January 2031. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a lot fun. of cameras trying to catch that. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, look at that, though. I tied in. I know it's probably not on your news thing, but how bad Moonfall did this weekend at the box office was almost as bad as the International Space Station's going to do on that date. 
Yeah, dude. Uh, moon, it's it's hilarious. I literally had this conversation with my friend last night. She's like, oh, that Moonfall movie looks hilarious. I'm like, what, That the, the one that's actually in the theaters? Like, that's kind of how I think of it now, right? Like, because everything is going to streaming right away. It's like, you know, when Jackass in 2022 can win the box office, fuck. <laughs> Exactly, and and Ronald Emmerich is just like, oh, the, the the movie industry is being ruined by Marvel and Star Wars, and I'm like, no, it's you've been making the same movie since I was like in high school. Stop. Yeah, stop with I your Godzilla. Stop with movie. your disaster movies. Just stop. Just stop. Like, Fuck. Just make something else. Try to get out of your comfort zone. <laughs> like I'm not gonna say that you're a hack or something, but damn, man keeps on making the same bloody movie and blaming others <laughs> sounds like so every angry director that yells at comic book movies right yeah ridley scott <laughs> i oh. want to go back to this nasa thing for a second because i just dug into it a little bit and this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> i was and waiting for you to do that just... i was waiting for your like for your actual comments on that so this literally is the United States government saying, yeah, we don't need the government doesn't need to be involved in space in the same way it was. Yep. They've like said, yeah, 2031, NASA's just not going to maintain space stations anymore and they're just going to rent them from corporations. Yeah, sure. Like, th- like, this is insane. It is. It is when you think about it, when you think about what they're actually <laughs> saying and what they're planning to do, like. Yeah, corp- yeah. Like, corp- like, corporations have bought space. Yeah, like fucking, like, think like, about going your overage fees on your cell phone. Like, ah, shit, we're getting nickel name on on data. Wait till that's your goddamn oxygen. Yeah, ah, you're over your oxygen consumption. Yeah, like, too bad we're in surge pricing, dude. I don't like people don't realize <laughs> like with these corporations getting hold of this sort of stuff, right? Like they're already in local law enforcement now they're getting into space they're, it's it's crazy when you actually think of the impl- the long-term impl- implications of all of this and this isn't some conspiracy yeah. theory stuff this is like we know how corporations work we, we, don't, need that. we, don't, we don't even need that we don't need to discuss jeff bezos has said he wants most people to live in space and only the rich get to live on earth yeah oh that sounds lovely like Jeff Bezos has Jeff Bezos funded the Expanse <laughs> show because he thought it was like a feel good story. <laughs> Warms the cockles of the heart. I'm living on an asteroid. I'm a belter. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Jeff Bezos thinks that you're we're the belters. He will get yeah, a stay on Earth. That's what I mean. Like it warms the cockles of our heart. We tune into the Expanse and we go, "That's my life. I'm gonna live on that moon rock." Yeah, I mean. Like, I don't know if this spoilers for the books. I don't know if this happened in the TV show or not, but just wait till we get to the part where the Belters drop a bunch of asteroids on Earth. Oh yeah, that's how we ended everything. Is that so. how the TV show ends? Yeah, like well, the last season, they, they started launching them at Earth, and then like the gates got into it in season six and stuff like that, and there was some shenanigans that went on, and uh, yeah, it was condensed and it was like. Yeah, just trying to foil that finally and reconcile how they're going to explore the universe. But anyhow, you know, like on the flip side of this crashing the space station into the ocean while they basically just say, hey, SpaceX is now going to run space for us. 
SpaceX has a, a rocket that's heading to the moon that they lost control of that's going to crash into the moon. <laughs> Friggin' Elon Musk keeps slipping off about how like I have a I have a car orbiting Mars and like actual <laughs> astrophysicists are like no you have a car orbiting the sun you fucked up your Mars entry because Elon Musk did a flyby of Mars because ah oh, fuck right you got to do deceleration burns <laughs> that is amazing this is literally like, like the plot to don't look up like it's just getting so <laughs> ridiculous I know, right? Talk about a cautionary tale that's right on the money. And the funny thing is, again, Ronald Everett didn't like Don't Look Up. Yeah. <laughs> I read an article today about the fact that he slammed that movie. Look, they can't even do disaster movies the way that I do them. <laughs> like, ignore the fact that, like, Don't Look Up isn't a disaster movie. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm um, like, I it, don't think you watched the right film there, buddy. <laughs> it's a movie that a disaster happens in. But, like, yeah. that's like saying <laughs> all movies with a war in it are war, war movies. movies. Exactly. <laughs> Unless it's a Star War movie. <laughs> no, it's still a war. <laughs> I don't understand why Star Wars isn't more like 1917. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Really, really, uh, Dunkirk is just a ripoff of uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> now we're just picturing how intense. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got to get off Hoth. <laughs> I mean, separately? Separately. I would watch the fuck out of a Star Wars movie that is just like it's it's it is just like the eva the attempted evacuation of Alderaan. Yeah. Oh god. I would watch. I would watch that in a heartbeat. You could do such an intense dark movie with that. Of it's like it's like a twenty four hour period, like right, like it it opens with them getting like, oh, it's coming, and they're like, no. Well, or it, it'll Candace be like Bay fucking. Uh, Superman, where Jorel is trying to tell the council, look, our planet is dead. They're like, nah, you're crazy. Wait, which no. Superman? Um, 72, the original. Okay. I thought you were the new one, and I'm like, well, yeah, because they had to do a coup about it. And yeah, be no. like, well, obviously a coup is right. But, Jesus. But you could just look at Loki, right, when they're going on the train and everything like that, and they're just trying to get off the planet as it's, like, destroying itself around them. Well, like, I feel like they kind of did that in the MCU already, and it looked pretty much as expected. But I will give you, in the Star Wars Alderaan evacuation, I am, to this day, super happy that they took a shot with Rogue One, and it was a very unhappy ending Star Wars. So, I, I actually, that, to me, that is one of the Star Wars movies that has aged the best. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, it trends now and again on on Twitter, and every, all my feed gets excited because they're like, "Oh, Rogue One!" Like I don't know, like it goes through these phases where people actually come to like this moment of this movie doesn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's Speaking like, "Oh, of, I better watch it." But it's almost like no one is no, no fans are worse than Star Wars fans. No, oh, well, yeah, well, 
Well, anywho, speaking of angry people, you know who's angry? The producers of The Matrix Resurrections, because they have sued Warner Brothers for its release. Well, because of the HBO Max. HBO Max, yeah. Is a, uh, Look, again, this is... Like, <laughs> shit, it's almost like when we let big companies functionally have unlimited money, they think that no rules apply to them. Like, think about how many companies now we've seen that make these deals. They sign mm -hmm. a contract and they're like, yeah, we've decided. They do whatever they want. Pray, pray yeah. I don't alter the arrangement further. Yeah. Darth Vader it up, baby. It's true, though. Like, they're, they're nulling contract things, like, to the actors, to the film studios, to everything. Like, we've brought this up before where... Like, if you think about how a movie is actually financed, it's not like whoever makes it sits there and goes, hey, look, I've got this treasure chest of cash. No, it's investment. And it's part of that is holding the movie and releasing it and regaining it off of the box office and things like that. Like, it's all about how that money derives back to the company that financed it. Yep. Right. And when you do this, you completely leave them holding the bag mm -hmm. because they're not going to get paid. So eventually they're going to get pissed off and take you to court. Right. And then you're just talking about the attitude. Well, we'll just settle out of court. Just like we yep. did with Scarlett Johansson. Yep. We'll throw enough money at it to make you shut up. Like yeah, it's we're gonna easier honor to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. That's honestly what what's going on. But you're going to see everything get rewritten in the future. Like, that's the funny thing. These contracts are going to have, like, going to be a nightmare. Yeah, but if, if here's the thing, Phil. If you want your shit signed. out, you're going to have to sign the dotted line anyways. Yeah. That's, that's... I don't know. I, I, I think that, you know... I, I don't know. I don't know. I, they're... Yeah, they're, I, they're Hey, we, we've been speculating on this for a couple of years now about where yeah. the movie industry is moving. But the thing that I just keep on coming back to is Spider-Man No Way Home. You know, like middle of pandemic, like quite literally, they closed down the movie theaters in Canada. In Ontario. In Ontario. The, the weekend after it released or the weekend yeah. of its release. And that movie still killed like it killed around the world at the mm -hmm. box office. It, it killed all right. More business. I'm sure it did yeah. a lot of killing. Yeah, I know, right? But it's interesting to me that every time I think maybe this is the peak, then they go higher with these movies. Like yep. they they just pre-pandemic levels of of box office return. So I don't know if it's dead anymore. Like, will you catch me in there? No. As long as we got a two or three month turnaround to digital, hey, if I have to wait it out, I'll wait it out. Yeah. Now, last week we were talking about the music industry and I kept talking about, you know, this whole Spotify, Neil Young thing is going to uncover a lot more interesting stuff about the music industry and who owns music rights. And, well, we're starting to see more articles about this. The Atlantic has this beautiful article about the deeper root, uh, cause and effect of artists wanting out of Spotify and how little say a lot of artists actually have around that. Yeah. I mean, it's, isn't, like, Taylor Swift's entire narrative about this kind of thing? Yeah, 100%. It was. I don't know if it is anymore, but it is, like, it, it's forced no, her it's still, to switch it. Her, her having to re-record her stuff for her latest album is part of the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Exactly. Like, look, I, I mentioned it last week. I believe part of this is Neil Young has his own streaming service for his music. Sure. But right? Warner Brothers so, owns his music. And the only reason they allowed his music to come off of Spotify is because he Neil Young called in a, a personal favor with a exec at his right. studio. Okay. It's interesting. I didn't know about Warner Brothers. I just thought that he has his own streaming service. It was kind of like... He has the rights to his music, but okay then. No. He only sold 50%, I thought. But he still needed their permission. Yeah, he still needed their permission. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see. You know, and I I think that they probably have some pretty good metrics to go. Uh, We're going to take a hit of $13. Oh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like... They're just like this move off of Spotify means if you get one person subscribing to your monthly service, you're ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, it's funny when we take it a look like that, right? All right, anyways, let's move on to our TV shows. Let us start with Peacemaker. Man, another just these cold opens are just getting better and better. This week's cold open with Peacemaker at Show and Tell just killed me. Oh my gosh. This was brilliant television. It's just like, again, Phil, you can be in one of the worst moods, put the show on, and by the time that the intro hits, after the cold open, you're freaking smiling ear to ear. Yep. 110%. Like, I like to have the janitor back and everything. And the thing is, is like I was talking about, watching that open where they're doing the song and dance. And you see the characters that they have during the song and dance. And then you see them like, oh, man, the janitor was only in that one episode, really. And then he makes that comeback with the kid in the class and everything. And, yeah, I'm just like, oh, it's great. Thank you, James Gunn. Thank you. (laughs) Yep. No, it's a great show. I guess, you know, only two episodes left. We're kind of seeing a lot of the stories open up with with Peacemaker's dad getting all evil on us um, and, and setting up to wanting to kill Peacemaker. We have the invasion kind of in the middle of things. We still don't know exactly what side Argus is in, but, you know, things are getting very interesting for the last two episodes. Yeah, it's getting intense. It's dialing up, right? Like this whole uh, butterfly thing. Is getting out of hand. Fun uh, fact: John Cena played the piano for that uh, for that scene. That's him actually playing. Yeah, he like just. I saw a news report saying that like he just started learning really recently, and I think it was James Gunn is like the guy's a freaking prodigy. It's disgusting and unfair. Yeah, they were in an airport together waiting for, or they were in a hotel lobby waiting for a drive to the airport, and John Cena just busts out some some piano playing as they're waiting, and James Gunn is like, we're going to use that. Yep, there's actually on Twitter, I think Jennifer Holland, um, Hardcourt, uh, uh, plays uh, uh, James Gunn's partner. She plays Hardcourt on the show, and anyhow, I think she had a behind the scenes of John actually playing the piano on set and them just doing their makeup and whatnot. And he was just serenading them in prep of the scene. So it's pretty impressive, man. I got to say, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger. I was already a big, like I already liked John Cena and I'm becoming a bigger fan of his through this show. 
So yeah, I think a lot of people are for sure. That's for sure. Um, yeah, but aside, aside from that, like another solid episode. Like, I, like I can't. You know, the only bad thing I can say about it is that there's only two episodes left. Yeah, Eagly was great this week. Oh my by the god! Way. <laughs> I just the bird thing was just killing me the whole time. Yeah. I just yeah. there's Vigilante so many great spots. Is still hilarious and in buffoon. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love the interplay. Yep. It's very much it, it's on point and on par with the Deadpool humor, if not maybe even better. I think it's elevated. better because so much of the Deadpool is like haha Terranzors. Yeah. And and so much of it is like very often Deadpool's humor is is contrary to the narrative. Mm-hmm. Right? It's him him actually trying to sit like he is fighting the narrative a lot of the time. Yeah. Versus Vigilante's part of the narrative. He's still there, but he's also just like I think this person like has no internal monologue yeah. and might be a sociopath. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like he's a sociopathic idiot. Yep. Right? He's Which is the like, scariest, scariest thing humanly possible. And yeah. you know what's interesting? I now know the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath. <laughs> a psychopath plans it. A sociopath just rolls with it. But they both have basically the same intent. <laughs> I don't believe that's actually true. Oh, okay. That's how I, I had someone explain it to me. And I'm like, I, oh. I mean, there is a lot of bad information and misapprehension about those two diagnoses. Yeah. I can imagine. I just thought that was a funny thing when I got told that. I'm like, oh, interesting. Yep. Speaking <laughs> of sociopaths and psychopaths, let's talk some Book of Boba Fett. All right, episode six, was it? Like <laughs> Chapter six, baby. <laughs> From the desert, a stranger comes. <laughs> Where do we like what's going on? What? <laughs> no, I, I know I know a good starting point. Because it, it is only tangential to the show. But so, Boris, <laughs> do you think tomorrow Morrison's in decent shape? Yeah, he could probably kick. He could probably kick he any could of kick asses, any of right? one of our asses. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. People have been shitting on him again online. Like, ah, oh, he's fat. He's out of shape. This what? is disgusting. More like Boba Fat, and I'm like. No one is worse than Star Wars fans. No, 100%. Oh, they're just looking for shit to complain about. Come on. Like, I thought he had it coming when he got pulled out of the back to tank by Black Crescenton, and he was in his his uh, Depends. Like, was I was just like, like, oh, my God, this looks like he's wearing Depends because they're the same shade of gray yeah. and everything. And I'm like, just the way that they fit. And I'm like. Oh man, I can see the online hate mounting, and I didn't see many people say it. So I'm like, "All right, you dodged one there, tomorrow." <laughs> it, it first came up when he was on Mandalorian, and then it came up again this past yeah. week online, and I don't know why. Just like, yeah, well, I a part of it is this, right? We we know with this show, Boba Fett is changing. Like I talked about last week, he's changing from the bounty hunter to still, you know, in a crime kind of syndicate way, mm -hmm. but trying to become a little more established, a little more loyalty, you know, learned a lot from the Tuscan Raiders. 
And what I'm finding increasingly with Twitter is that the more mature people are eating this whole show up. Sure. Like by and large out of, out of the fan base that I'm looking at, they're loving it because they see themselves maturing and they see that reflected in Boba Fett. There's a lot of other people and I don't know, I'd, I'd take a gamble maybe and say, maybe it's a lot of prequel people or, you know, even there are, there is an element of people who just didn't want any change. They just wanted a show about Boba Fett going out, kicking ass and chewing bubble gum. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. Don't talk. Don't say crap. Just speak with your gun. Right. And that's their expectation. Like don't develop the character. Just give me more of what I wanted. And that's, that's with any that, show. At the end of the day, Star that's Wars. exactly what we've been saying about Star Wars fans. It's because it doesn't go to the yeah. narrative that they had built up in their brain over the past 40 years. They're going to shit because what is happening on screen by decision makers at the corporate level, uh, you know, for, for this new universe that Star Wars is in now, you know, just because it doesn't f- suit their narrative, it sucks, it's stupid, and this is crap. Yeah, and here's the thing for me personally, because I'm very well aware of the traps that fans are setting for themselves. And I'm trying to guard against it. And each week, I just take each episode for what it is. And I just gauge my enjoyment of the episode afterwards, after the show is finished. And I go, how enjoyable was that? Like, how much Mm -hmm. did I just genuinely think this is Star Wars? And this week, you know, was a good episode for me because, yeah, there was a lot happening. There was a lot of a lot of tempo switches and things like that. Like, I'm not a big fan of of trying to, you know, retell the whole training on Dagobah story Mm -hmm. from Empire Strikes Back and sandwiching it in here. To be honest, like that stuff has never really been my strong point. Hey, did I like it that Ahsoka? made a return. I wasn't expecting her to be there because I had a clean palette going in. And I'm like, Ooh, Ahsoka, it, you know, is Luke on screen? Yeah, he is. Did I expect that? Not really. I thought if anything, it would be like, Hey, do you want the kid for a weekend? Take him away. Grandpa. You know what I mean? Like I get it. You want to see him. Kid wants to see you. Let's minimize the screen time because that means work and money and things like that. Like, there were things that genuinely surprised me at the depth that they went into, but it all made sense in the end to me because you're serving the whole story overall. You're building the temple that actually is the temple that gets burned in The Last Jedi, right? You're setting up this story about Grogu and the choices Grogu has. And, uh, you know, like, uh, the biggest fan rage that I've seen is how the heck can Luke have Yoda's lightsaber when Yoda dropped it at the end, like at the end of a uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, right? Like he, like Palpatine collected it. But you know, I've seen different fan theories that maybe Luke found a trophy that Palpatine had, or something like that, or found it later, and Palpatine had it stored away somewhere in, you know, the comic books. They destroyed it, but you're letting the story serve the fans, right? You're, you're, it's more compelling that there's a link between that lightsaber and Grogu potentially right now. Like Grogu has to decide that it's a much more compelling choice. 
And then the coup de gras, like, you know, Cobb Vanth being in it. Again, I didn't expect that, but man, do I ever welcome Timothy Oliphant coming in and playing that character. And then you have Cad Bane at the end, like the ultimate fan, you know, service that you could do, but it made sense, right? You've got someone who's been intrinsically involved with Django Fett, the raising of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in theory, the reason why Boba Fett has a dented helmet is because him and Cad Bane got in a shootout. And we had this confirmed in a weird canon-esque way because when Cad Bane was in Bad Batch, he's got a metal plate on his head. And that indicates that Boba landed the shot and he had to get a plate inserted in his head. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of stuff. But man, did my phone ever light up all week from people asking me who the hell Cad Bane is yep. and how cool is that guy? All right. Like I have his a question live for you, action. Boom. I have a question for you. And in, in this kind of goes in the same vein that we talk about uh, the MCU is this show is the book of Boba Fett doing a good job of introducing and explaining who these characters are, or is it pure fan service for people who already are in the know? I don't think you need to know the history of Cad Bane in order to enjoy the fact that he's a badass killer. He did everything that he needed to do to establish to me, I should be scared of him. Same as black Chrysanthemum or whatever. I just know that that Wookiee can kick some ass. Yeah. I don't need to know any of the backstories. Having some insight into it, yeah, it's, it is a fan service thing, but I don't think it's, pre, it's prerequisite to enjoy it. Right. I think I'm that enjoying they do it, enough but again, like I'm, I'm, betrayal. I'm having a hard time removing the fandom from my eyes and, and thinking, is this good enough? Is this actually good, or am I enjoying this because I watch way too much Star Wars? Yeah, that's... What do you think, lot. Tyler? I, I, I mean, I think that this episode is where we really start to show that Book of Boba Fett was originally a movie, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. and and yeah, like we had to figure some stuff out and do some juggling. I, I mean, I think that we're again starting to see the problem with so much of Star Wars being the Skywalker saga, right? Of because we now know, like, we know so much. We basically know all of Luke's story now, right? Like, we have literally seen him birth to death. <laughs> yeah. But we know his entire narrative. So him being a shitty teacher doesn't feel like it serves, like, we don't need to see that. And it doesn't fully make sense with so much his own narrative. And that's where we start to suffer for it. Well, here's the thing, right? I think that them portraying Luke as a shitty teacher is them just trying to make sense of The Last Jedi. Oh, no, 100%. But yep. we have done it too clunkily is what yep. I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, yeah. showing it has made it worse, right? Yeah. Because it is the kind of thing of... of it is it would be it would be exceedingly hard to show Luke being a bad teacher and match that with all of the stuff Luke has allegedly discovered about himself and the force and how much of his own thing was a rejection of 
the Jedi at the height of their power yeah. in episode three. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it is narratively a mess for him to pose the decision to Grogu knowing that that decision posed to him was wrong. Yeah. Agreed. Did he? Uh, yeah. I, I I just found it interesting that Ahsoka was there and Ahsoka said, you gotta, like, like, when Mando asks her, why didn't you want to train Grogu? And she's basically, her answer is, because Luke wanted to do it, Luke can do it. Like, Luke wanted to do it, so I let him do it. I'm not going to block him on it. Because it's something that he wanted to do. And now... She tells him, hey, uh, trust your instincts more, right? Yeah. And he knows that she knew his father. Like, that's his Padawan. And she's like, hey, you're just like your dad in so many ways and stuff like that in, in good ways, right? But it's interesting that he then kind of makes that decision and doesn't, I don't think he really would have consulted that with her. You know, he just decided to follow his instinct. And present Grogu with the choice. We all know what the choice is going to be. Like they already built the special seat for him. In the Naboo fighter. Yeah. Like you know the show is. We're not going to get the death of Grogu. By the hands of Ben Solo. <laughs> it's going to be set up. That the inevitable is going to happen. But. I just think at this point. I just want to be done with Luke. Mm-hmm. And no that's offense, really but I've said it before. We've been saying this for a long time, and it just like you know, as as cool as it was, because it was cool. It just you know, it, it, as as Tyler said earlier, we just fall back to the pitfall that is the Skywalker yep. saga. It all leads back to the Skywalkers, and I found that they were doing such a good job of building this world outside of the Skywalkers, right? Um, yeah. You know, is this now just? Like, you know, the, are, are we just trapping ourselves like Mass Effect? Yep. I, I don't think we are. I just think that they took an easy way out on something. I don't think it's going to doom the entire thing. I just think that it's an aspect of the story that draws that crowd in. The thing that I was most impressed with Luke being in here was it didn't take me out of it. The CGI was held me enough to believe that a lot of that felt authentic to me, which is a scary place to be. It didn't have the uncanny valley thing going on, mm -hmm. but I don't think it, it, it's just a little bit of a shitty story theme that was convenient. But I think that there's a lot more story between I like what I see about Mando like Din and Grogu. I like what I see about Bo-Katan and the, the, the battles with the Darksaber. And you know what I mean? These new elements in Star Wars that are new to the screen. Like they've, they've been in, the, in the, the, the animated series, but that's the testing ground that Dave played in. Right? Mm -hmm. That's where he honed his skill. And, you know, it's no accident that Dave Filoni was the director this week, right? Yeah. It just seems like he's going to go for the throat whenever it's presented. Yeah. And Tyler. Luke's involved and Ahsoka's involved. And Dave's is like, that. these are my babies. Like, I'm taking responsibility for it. 
Tyler, what do you think? Do you think that having the Skywalkers constantly in the narrative puts a hinder to the expansion of the Star Wars universe? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I, I think that we're starting to see it, and we're, we're... How do I want to put this? We, like Phil said, it's easy to go back to it, and it pulls these people in, and it's like, yeah, but... Every time you do it, you're training the audience and you're making the next hissy fit worse, not better. Right. It's it's (laughs) it reminds me a lot of dealing with a puppy or a child in that like, yeah, sometimes they're going to act out and they're going to be shitty. And if you reward that behavior, you're just getting more shitty behavior. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. for Well, I'm. I'm worried about what it means to be like, well, we can bring Harrison Ford back now. And what? all these other lazy things that they're going to try and do like that's yeah. that's the stuff I'm like, let them go. Let's get on to new people. I care. Th- this show has proven to me how much I care about Din Jarden more than almost anybody else on that screen. You know, growing up with Boba Fett. Everything like that. The past two weeks have been fantastic because there's character, the character that I care about more than anybody else. And it's not even his show. Like, that's the amazing thing that Star Wars, I hope, doesn't discount. I -hmm. hope that the nostalgia grab on the low hanging fruit with the Skywalker stuff. Like, let it be at that. But I don't I'm I'm in agreement with Tyler. I don't know if that boardroom can do that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's a tough you know, one. It's on, when it's you look at the rest one. of the stuff, like aside from Obi Wan's already revealed that Hayden Christensen is reprising his role as as Anakin, right? Sure. So we've got more of it coming up apparently in May. Mm-hmm. Um, Andor season two is already being renewed and Which starts. Which no, he dies. Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe no one. Maybe this is just no one dies ever again. Well, I don't know how much time we're sandwiching in here, but these are weird places to go. But, you know, we have the rumored Bo-Katan show. We have maybe there's a season two of Book of Boba Fett. Like we should do an over under on. Do you think Boba is going to live on next week's episode? I don't know. I don't know. Like it's tough. It's a tough one, man. We've got the Mandalorian. We've got we've got a lot of content that doesn't have to be super Skywalker inclusive. Like Ahsoka, I'm worried that that's going to be a pillar or a crutch. Yeah, we'll see. Especially now that we've done it, we've well, and it. we've already we've we've already confirmed Hayden Christensen is going back. So how many goddamn flashbacks we're going to get yeah. of the Clone Wars with Ahsoka? Oh yeah. Exactly. Now I. I did like the flashback of that Grogu had of of the you know what I mean like seeing the the 501st enter the Jedi temple and take down those three Jedi like from his perspective. Yeah. Like it's so interesting that Luke's like let's go into your early memories and it's like pure trauma, right? It's yeah. like pure like all these nice people got taken out at lightsabers reflecting in his eyes. And his little association probably with that lightsaber being the end of his happiness in life. 
And then yep. Luke shows him a lightsaber at the end and says, you want one of these, kid? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm getting at of like, it's just, it's just, it is comically bad. Yeah. And I am a little bit miffed with it because it's like one of the big deals that's been going on as we played, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, as you've watched Clone Wars, as you've watched Rebels. One of the things that they keep on going on and on about is how unique and special your kyber crystal is. Right? How in tune with your force sensitivity, how it's an actual graduation point to becoming a Jedi, how Luke had to experience that after inheriting his father's lightsaber and had to go and build his own to face him off and return to the Jedi. All these poetic things that got set up and hammered at us at a fan base is all of a sudden, hey, I have Luke's, uh, I have Yoda's uh, toothpick lightsaber. Yep. You want it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that as well. I mean, and so much of like, yeah, so much of the narrative, like it's so much of the dominant meta narrative that Star Wars has been implying, is an end towards the light and dark side being split. Yep. But then they keep backing away from that because I think they suffer the same problem that Star Trek has, of how do you write something after that? Yeah. Right. Like for Star Trek, how do you write after the Borg? The Borg yeah. too. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at, though, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's exactly what Star it. Wars Legends did. Of it's like, oh, it's uh, the Yuuzhan Vong who are invisible to the Force and are anti-Force users, and it was like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> zombie stormtroopers, yeah. <laughs> Borg squared, no Borg squared. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, just, just, because, just because Star Trek fans. Just because Star Trek fans are so much more cerebral, it's not going to be Borg 2. It's going to be Borg Squared. Not cubed? Maybe cubed. I, like Borg cubed. I think I think Borg Squared, Borg Squared first. You do that in Lower Decks, and then you mm. do Borg Cubed for the movies. And then you do Hypercube? <laughs> Poor Boris has given up on us now. <laughs> Have you realized how long the music's been going? We I can't, can't hear, hear it. it. Yeah, good. Well, I can. Anyways, Phil, do your thing. <laughs> All right. If you want to give us a chat about what we're talking about this week, you can hit us up on our website at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can track us down on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. We won't check. And you can subscribe via <laughs> Apple's podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, anywhere you find a podcast, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. If you like what you hear, make sure to, uh, you know, subscribe, maybe, and uh, leave a rate and review if the platform allows it, and um, be sure to tell a friend, you know, you enjoyed listening to us banter about this week in geek culture. Yep. And if you want to actually, like, get your goddamn definition for opera musical contest entries, because apparently we can't check it, at us on Twitter or Facebook. Just put them there. I'll go through them. If any show up, maybe you'll win. Yeah, I got an Ninjago bag for you, my friends. I got <laughs> to get those. They're there. They're there. They're just sitting there. I put them in, in, a, in a folder. Anyways, it's the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, all things pop culture, all things nerd. And as the title says, it's all in canon. He's Phil, he's Tyler, I'm Boris. Thank you for listening, and until next time.